We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Town Hall Review Podcast, where we bring you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Our podcast is brought to you through partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece I hope you will enjoy from my friend and colleague, Michael Medved. Is it fair to hold people accountable for stupid things they may have sent out on Twitter or they may have written in a student newspaper a long time ago? And this goes for people who are very, very prominent and successful in the world of motion picture production, in uh, the world of politics and the judiciary. And yes, in the world of Major League Baseball, 1-800-955-1776. There's an all-star pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers who um, a lot of people thought had put an end to his career uh, actually before it even started because somebody unearthed some some truly, I mean, just mind-numbingly stupid, racist, and disgusting tweets and I, I I hadn't really realized when I read the general story, I thought, OK, poor guy. He's 24 years old. He pitched in the All-Star game. He's a great relief pitcher. Josh Hader is his name. And he uh, it turned out that when he was 17 years old, he had sent out some things on uh, social media, on Twitter, that were just unbelievable. I mean... So, so stupid and distasteful. And yes, a lot of uses of the N-word. So should this be the end of his career? And then there is a motion picture writer-director. I mean, honestly, one of the most successful guys in Hollywood. Probably someone who has made, oh, I would say with his recent movies, he's made at least $50 million for himself while making billions for his studio, Disney. He's just been fired, terminated from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I thought, wow, this is an overreaction. I mean, this guy's going to be pulled from this movie. Then I started reading some of the tweets. It's just, why do people do this? I don't get it. Do you think no one's going to notice? Because with Josh Hader, he was 17 years old. Okay, with, um, with James Gunn, the writer-director of the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He wasn't a teenager. He's 51 now, and this stuff, he was in his 40s. He was, I mean, come on. You can't send out stuff like this and assume nobody's going to see it. And if somebody does see it, they're going to say this person should have absolutely no association with anyone. And then there is another case. And this, to me, is a a really horrible case and one that I, I regret a great deal. And I, I am sorry that my fellow Republicans uh, didn't uh, stand by one of uh, the truly fine, outstanding judicial nominees that were made by President Trump. Ryan Bounds is 
an incredibly well-qualified jurist. And he just had his nomination withdrawn for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that needs some balance from a more constitutionalist perspective. He had his nomination withdrawn because of some perfectly, okay, they're edgy, but they're, they're editorials he wrote when he was in college at Stanford, not even law school, it was what he wrote in college at Stanford. And he may, in fact, I think he probably was a, a teenager when he wrote some of them, 18 or 19, beginning of college. So is it fair with somebody who's 50 now uh, to say, no, you can't serve on federal courts because we don't like the opinions you expressed in a college newspaper all those years ago? I mean, come on. What, what is going on in this country? Some things, totally unacceptable. Now, I mentioned James Gunn. The reason it's totally unacceptable is, first of all, there's apparently 10,000 tweets. It was a lot of tweets over a period of years. And and many of them had to do with um, pedophilia. They had to do with uh, sexualizing children. And especially for someone who is making movies from the Disney studio, which has built its entire reputation on child-friendly content? No. I, I think that Disney probably did the right thing to remove Mr. Gunn. But I, this is something I don't understand. And, and again, I haven't had the chance to speak about this with the uh, resident clinically clinical psychologist advisor uh, of, for the Medved Show, my wonderful wife, Dr. Diane Medved. But there must be some weird compulsion. And I don't know if uh, this is relevant to people in the political realm. Why would you send out postings on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or, or anywhere that you know are going to reflect badly on you? I mean, some of, some of this stuff from from James Gunn. Um, it's just it's just incredible. First of all, let me do this story of uh, Josh Hader. While he was at the All Star Game, and he um, somebody had dug up. He's 24 years old. They had dug up uh, a, a series of tweets that he had issued when he was 17. And the tweets are bad. Uh, he even has a tweet that says, white power, laugh out loud. And then he has a lot of uses of the N-word, which honestly, in, in, in America, can, can we just stop it as a country and, and try to avoid... And, and this is, by the way, she could be a Medved public service announcement. Um, and, and this includes for state representatives, Republican state representatives from Georgia. Um, before you submit to an interview with Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, impersonating somebody else as part of his new show, a part of his new show he um, he has on the state rep and he gets him to shout out the N-word repeatedly, and now there are calls for his resignation. Look, it's just so stupid. We should, it seems to me, 
if if you want to succeed in this country, in marriage, in business, in your career, in your social life, would are there a lot of people out there who feel comfortable with somebody who's, I mean, somebody under the age of 90 who's using that word a lot, frequently? I, I, I don't think it, it is comfortable or a good idea. In any event, what happened with Josh Hader is uh, Gary D'Amato uh, is writing for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and he writes, granted it was a small sample size and they were Brewers fans, but of the 40 or so people I spoke with in the concourse at Miller Park the other night, I didn't cross a, come across one who wasn't willing to forgive Josh Hader for the tweets he posted as a misguided teen in 2011. And he spoke to Antonio McDaniel, an African-American from Milwaukee. He said, Hader's words make me feel uncomfortable. I, they made me feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not African-American. But McDaniel was able to shrug them off. I won't hold it against him, he said. I'll support him. He's a good player. Okay, his career will probably survive, but that's because it's baseball and because he can pitch. And uh, somebody else, Sherry Frost of West Allis, Wisconsin, said he was a 17-year-old kid. She said, they do stupid things. I don't think that's really him as a man, just the way he's reacted. He owned up to it. He didn't make excuses. He apologized. Well, you'd have to apologize. I mean... These tweets are pathetic. But okay, it's it's a baseball pitcher. And all right, fine. But then when you come to a film director and you come to a, a guy who's, whose dad is an attorney, uh, well, I think he has four siblings who are also prominent in the movie business. He's made these two gigantic hits that he wrote and directed, the Guardians of the Galaxy first film, and the second film, which is even more successful, and right now he's supposed to be working on the script to the third film, but he's just been fired from it. We're talking about the idea of some kind of statute of limitations, uh, of some things that people have said or written or spoken about long, long ago. Let me be very clear where I stand on the three issues that we brought up. And, of course, there are others like this. Uh, they seem to come up all the time. Uh there, there's one issue where, first of all, it's not from that long ago. It's uh, from 10 years ago, and uh, it involves somebody who's over 40. So you can't say young and foolish and adolescent. And what was tweeted was completely unacceptable and completely disgusting. I'm talking about James Gunn, where uh, the headline is James Gunn endorses pedophilia and 10,000 deleted tweets. It's a, it shows a serious psychiatric problem and potentially a criminal problem. And it's amazing that this guy went that long and got that high as director of Guardians of the Galaxy without somebody pointing it out. And, and of course, he has given a very eloquent apology, uh, uh, tried to explain that this didn't reflect who he is today, et cetera, et cetera. OK, fine. This is this is beyond. Then there's the the question of uh, the the attack and the questions and real questions about a um, reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers and maybe, by the way, the playoff-bound Milwaukee Brewers, 
Uh, Josh Hader is his name. He's 24. And it turns out when he was 17, he sent out a bunch of tweets that are totally unacceptable and totally disgusting and racist. And he's apologized for them, but he was 17. And, okay, I think it's appropriate. He got a standing ovation yesterday, and not standing ovation for the tweets, but a standing ovation for having apologized and trying to be a better person. I think he's a guy who has learned his lesson and is a different guy. And then there is a third case where first case... Okay, it's recent, and it's disgusting, and there's no excuse. Second case, it's disgusting, and it's during someone's teenage years, and okay, forgive him. Third case, the guy is attacked, and what he did isn't even that wrong. You you might disagree with what he wrote in the Stanford Review when he was a teenager, but you can disagree with it. There's nothing outrageous about it. There's a terrific piece that was written in his defense because one of the things that um, the judge uh, Bounds was accused of, he had been appointed by President Trump, and it's a fine appointment, and I wish it had gone through. It's been withdrawn because of objection of some Republicans, including the only black Republican U.S. senator, uh, the great Tim Scott of South Carolina. But... This piece in his defense is by a guy who's openly gay and married to his same-sex partner who does not share Ryan Bounds' conservative inclinations but very enthusiastically defends him and says, look, the stuff that he he wrote in the Stanford Review a quarter century ago, Ryan Bounds is 45. He's a universally respected prosecutor in Portland, Oregon. He graduated from Stanford. He went to Yale Law School. He has a a clerkship to one of the leading lights of the American judiciary. And he had a very successful private practice with Stoll Reeves, which is one of the top law firms in the Northwest. And the attacks on him as racist are not based on anything in his legal career. Because he's never defended white supremacists. He's a federal prosecutor who works on white-collar and environmental cases. And as a matter of fact, he served for years as a leader of the Equity, Diversion, and Inclusion Committee of the Multnomah Bar Association. That's from Multnomah County, which is where Portland is. In this role, he has worked tirelessly to put together numerous educational scholarship and mentoring programs aimed at advancing diversity within the legal profession. So what is all this based on? It's based on a few paragraphs from articles he wrote for a student newspaper at Stanford. And what does the article say? Um, He wrote that race-focused groups should not continue on campus. That was his opinion. It was an opinion piece. He said that the existence of ethnic organizations is no inevitable prerequisite to maintaining a diverse community. White students, after all, seem to be doing all right without an Aryan student union. Okay, that seems to me a decent line. And uh, he he then says that uh, uh, people who are attacking him have uh, the intolerance of Nazi book burning. 
He claims that uh, student racial factions in the student body and their work build tolerance and promote diversity. But I wrote critically about that idea. And he said the efforts of these students seem always to contribute more to restricting consciousness, aggravating intolerance, and pigeonholing cultural identities than many a Nazi book burning. And his defender, whose name is David Latt, says, is Ryan's comparison to Nazi book burning ridiculous and hyperbolic? Sure. Is the hypothetical of an Aryan student union unnecessarily inflammatory? Sure. But that's how college kids write. Long on passion and short on perspective. It doesn't make them racist. It just means they're obnoxious and immature. Should he be ruled out as a judge because of that kind of writing? That seems to me unfair and absurd. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today.